Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Oh, yeah, we are back together. Hour two, home improvement. We are three hours strong today, two more hours from now. And uh, then the cards and the mats right here at Bush Stadium. Pretty neat day, I think. Well, I like living in this part of the country. I love St. Louis. Um, hopefully you do, too. When it gets really hot and muggy like this, I get wet. I mean, it. I just, some, I'm a water guy. Uh, it, it could be a, a wading pool six feet in diameter or just a sprinkler or just a hose, but I get wet somewhere. You know, might be a pool, might be a lake, you know, all that kind of thing. So, man, it, it's when it's hot, I get cool. Uh, maybe you too. Uh, phone lines, 314-436-7900, toll-free, 800-925-1120. I'm going to get to Sandy here in just a minute. We've got g- good calls. Uh, I had to cut short uh, the uh, explanation to Gene last hour, so I want to make sure that we are describing uh, how to clean siding. Uh, the vinyl siding, any kind of siding, will uh, grow moss or mold mildew on the north side of anything mother nature does this if you want to know if you're out in the woods and you want to know which way is north then uh, the sun typically tracks south so you will see moss growing on the north side of a tree trunk well, especially if you're, that's because the sun never gets to it. Maybe you get a little bit of wind. Well, houses are the same way. If you don't get wind and you don't get sun, that surface will um, start to deteriorate. And Mother Nature's first step is keeping it moist and then things grow on that moisture. So we had Jean's call, how do I clean that siding? Well, the issue is you actually have a little bit of topsoil going there. So the humidity uh, builds up on that wall surface. You know, the dew set this morning. So everything was wet this morning, including the siding of your house, the brick of your house, the cars, whatever's outside. Um, And then the dust, just the ambient dust um, flying around in the air sticks to that moisture. Little bit every day, little bit, little bit, little, and it builds up. Sooner or later, that humidity coupled with the soil coupled with uh, some sort of a biology, you know, some sort of a bacteria starts growing and then the mold gets very happy and the mold then uh, indicates itself, leaves that mildew behind the black marks and it's literally a living uh, organism. Just like shower, the black stuff in the corner of your shower when you close the shower door or the curtain too much and you don't dry out the shower before you uh, are finished with it, you will have mildew growing in the corner of your shower. Everybody knows that. This is the same stuff on the north side of the house. What do you clean your shower with? generally something that kills that mildew like a bleach or an oxidizer something that brings uh, the end of that living cycle to that mildew now it will come back uh, the problem that gene was and, and gene was very thorough in his cleaning uh, the issue is you you do it with a power washer on really tough surfaces you have to hit it with a, um, a detergent and scrub it sometimes you can do it uh, good power washing people that are experienced with the right equipment knowing how and where to blow that water can literally blow that solid material off. Sometimes it takes uh, a brush or a broom scrubbing that material. Uh, The issue is then you bleach it 
and this is nasty bleach. It, it's, it, you're trying to kill the mildew that's now growing on the north side of your house just like it is in that shower. Um, and it takes bleach and you let it dry on there when you're finished. So scrub it off, blow, uh, rinse it off as well because you're going to bring with it some of the um, solid residual, the flesh of that mildew, the black stuff. Uh, and if you bleach it, it will turn white. The problem with it is once your siding gets porous enough, uh, vinyl siding especially, the moisture will soak slightly into that chalky oxidized exterior and it becomes actually part of the residual as well and it holds moisture, holds dust, holds mildew and the mildew can actually dig deeper into the vinyl. But, you know, um, cement board siding does it, vinyl siding does it, brick will show it to you a little bit, you can't see it very much. This is the same stuff effectively on your roof shingles um, and, and more pressure isn't necessarily the right answer. Basically, you have to kill this living organism, and if it builds up like you get moss on roofs, you know, now you've got accelerated moisture conditions that really will tear up or deteriorate a roof shingle, and that's where the moss really has to come off, and um, a, a scalpel in the hands of a good, experienced surgeon is magical. A scalpel in the hands of a non-surgeon is a very sharp, damaging instrument. Likewise, a power washer in the hands of somebody that knows how to use it and the experience and when to use the chemicals and when not, that's different than renting a power washer, more pressure closer to the siding or the concrete. You can literally blow siding concrete um, apart. Uh, for example, um, uh, in the military, um, when it comes time to um, vaccinate the uh, uh, great deal of men in World War II and Vietnam, basically you're walking down and they're just using air injection machines. They don't even touch your skin. They just blow that vaccination right through your skin. Likewise, that's the same technology as a power washer or pressure washer. So you don't even need to touch something to uh, get under its skin, literally. Uh, phone lines, 314-436-7900, 436-7900, toll-free, 800-925-1120. We're going to talk about basement water and mold right now on KMOX. Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, back together, home improvement. This is the Helitech uh, Home Improvement Show, and we are live and lively. Going to get to Sandy here. She's been very patient, uh, waiting since last hour. Sandy, uh, good good afternoon. Welcome to KMOX, and how can I help you? Thanks for your patience. Are you there? I have an issue. Yes. We brought a house in Salem, Missouri, mm -hmm. and when they built the house, they did not have a basement. Then they put an attachment on and built a basement. When they did this, they broke into an underground stream. Mm -hmm. I bought the house. I knew this problem, but I figured it's not that hard of a fix. I'm assuming you dig out on both sides of the concrete, put the black tar and the the plastic up on both sides in sub pumps. Am I correct? Uh, no, no. Okay. Uh, if you've built over a um, uh, underground spring, 
that water will continue to flow. So if you break into that spring, you now own that water. Uh, so yes, you do need a sump pump, but uh, waterproofing isn't really going to do much because the water will just continue to come and it's not you know, spring or fall or rain related, that stuff will try and come up. Uh, basically, the water comes up from the bottom. Um, okay. Or in from the side. So, frankly, you need to make that water a really good offer of how to escape its stream or, or uh, bed. And, and basically, you need a water collection system all the way around the perimeter of the house and the foundation on the inside, uh, as well as uh, you may have to put some of these uh, water collection systems into the center of the house uh, like um, fingers coming in because if the water chooses to come up you know, by a column in the center of that basement, uh, the water collection system around the outside of the house isn't close enough to keep the water from coming in. You following all of that? Yes, they do. Yep. So you're kind of on the right uh, path, but um, applying a waterproofing or water retardant um, around the outside, uh, the the purpose of that is to to kind of slow down that water from coming through the concrete and ideally get it to go to an easier place, which is that water collection system, you know, typically called drain tile. Uh, so you need to make a really big invitation to that underground water and you've got to collect it before it gets inside your house and if you can uh, if this house in Salem here Sandy has a gravity drain to where you know the house 30 feet or 40 feet away from the house is downhill from that home then rather than a sump pump I would gravity drain that because it'll run all the time and if you have a power outage then you know it, you it doesn't drain on your sump pump so if you do have a sump pump as a backup then I would battery back it up or consider putting in a generator or something but depending on how dry you want this basement you're going to have to buy a lot of insurance because you built a dam in in mother nature's um underground spring okay yeah i certainly understand how's that does that help you you were on the yes, right path does. there's just uh, you have to if you think that this is far enough make sure you go 25 percent further this is this is a very uh this is one of the concepts at mosby that far enough in past thinking would indicate that it's successful, but factoring for what we don't know in the future that we're about to learn about our methods not being sufficient, uh, kind of like NASA has triple redundant systems. If once you get off the, uh, you know, you're in the outer space, you better have more than just one backup system. You better have two or three. Same kind of thing when you're dealing with relentless water like that. Okay. Now, in three years, we're going to remove the house. Okay. And we're going to put either a new house or a manufactured house on there. Okay. When we do this, would then be a good time to take the backhoe, go on both sides of the, you know, go all the way around the basement, and then go ahead and do it the way it should have been done? I'd pull that basement out and start all over or move the house to a different location. Okay. Because, I mean, think about it. If you're trying to save ten or 20000 um, but you've got to add, you know, ten or 20000 of extra engineering to the future foundation, you're better off designing that 
basement to be a boat uh, that has okay. serious water handling systems. Uh, personally, um, and that's an example of what we knew in the past, building a traditional foundation over an underground spring, uh, those methods aren't going to keep the water out. You've got to go in with the intention of, yes, I'm going to hold up the house, but by the way, I really have to manage the water so that it doesn't undermine the structure of my house. Okay, sounds great. Thank you very much. All right, good thinking, Sandy. Take care. Bye there. And and again, it, it's um, we get... Uh, challenged as a company at Mosby Building Arts that you're going too far. You're spending too much. You're not doing it uh, according to the rest of the industry. Well, number one, the rest of the industry is either number one or two in customer complaints in, across the country. So the the par um, of that industry is not a suitable uh, reference, in, in my opinion. Uh, number two... Um, the thought and the experience and knowledge of the past hundred years is suitable for the technology then. But of the next 20, 30, or 50 years, the new technology that we haven't seen yet uh, will mess with things. So we deal with that. Uh, if you think when you're dealing with water, condensation, insulation, indoor air quality, if you think you've got it, go further. That's important because uh, if you if you stop where you think you went far enough, you're risking that full investment because you didn't spend the extra 20 or 25 percent to buy additional insurance. And, and this is a way of thinking. This is a value system that, you know, that's how I think and that's how uh, our company thinks. Um, and we're not for everybody. They They don't buy off on that. It's like, wow, you're just going too far. I'll choose somebody else and I'm fine with that. But recognizing that there's a risk that is being transferred to that homeowner by doing that, that, you know, and this is a perfect example, Sandy, that, you know, trying to make an old foundation suitable to handle water of an underground spring, wow, you're, you're in the big leagues. That's, uh, you're going to spend as much money as you will putting in a new foundation. And there are people that will move houses. They'll lift up the house, tear out the foundation, build a new one underneath it. I'm not suggesting that, but moving the house to a new location might be the better choice if you've got the room in Salem, Missouri. Uh, phone lines, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby, home improvement at your service. Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, back together, home improvement, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. One uh, question, Uh, actually, the exterior design seminar is Saturday, July 22nd. July 22nd, exterior design seminar. Find out more at callmosby.com. Right now, let's go to Carol. Carol, thanks for your call. How may I help you this afternoon? Okay, I tried to explain it to the man I talked to. I'll try to do this quickly. Our basement was finished about eight years ago, half um, carpet, half Uh tile. All of a sudden this year, and we have always run uh, a dehumidifier, and we also have a small heating and air conditioning duct in the ceiling at both ends of the basement. All of a sudden this spring and summer, I'm finding mold on the bottom of the wooden legs of some of the furniture and also 
I have a couple baskets sitting on the carpeting, and they're sticky. So that's inter- telling me that there must be moisture coming in there from, you know, under the carpet. Uh, well, I guarantee there is for sure, because uh, how old is your house, Carol? It's 30 years old. Okay. Your house at 30 years old uh, should have uh, plastic underneath the concrete floor. Uh, however, it may not because you're right at the cusp of, yes, you know, some had, some didn't. Uh, but okay. keep in mind that, uh, I, number one, uh, I would, here, here's what I want you to do. Um, this is kind of what we would do to assess the issue is uh, go to the hardware store and buy a digital thermometer, one that has a digital readout of humidity. Um, and one, I like one, it's an indoor-outdoor, uh, so it's about the size of a, you know, small cell phone. And okay. then it has a wire and an outdoor sensor. Um, typically, I will put those um, on a ladder about four feet, about halfway up the, the basement floor in the, in the finished space, and it'll take a reading uh, at that particular height, and it'll also take a reading down on the floor. I'll put that wire all the way down at the floor. Okay. And you will find, and, and generally, anything above 50 to 55% relative humidity, there's enough moisture that the bugs are very happy. Above 55%, the mold and mildew will start to grow. And keep in mind that wood is a food source. Um, so if you have wood, uh, darkness, and moisture, you will grow mold and mildew. So you have wood. Uh, darkness because the bottom of that wood is on the carpet and mm-hmm. I guarantee you do have uh, humidity in lower levels because relative humidity tends to, you know, moisture is heavier than air and typically falls to the basement, you know, so think of it like a swimming pool for water vapor, if you will. Okay. My point okay. is, is that you will find that you have very high relative humidity. Probably why it is, is there... Um, down below grade in a basement, you need to move that air twice as much as you do on the main floor. And you also have to have more return air so that it sucks the air out of the basement and and runs it past the air conditioner, which is a big dehumidifier. It runs it past that cold surface of that A-coil, and that's where the condensation comes from. I would suggest that your basement isn't properly heated and cooled because you don't have enough ductwork. If they didn't add a new unit and a new set of ductwork, um, you can get the right temperature, but you're not drying and conditioning the air. So it's not a true um, system. It, you're okay. just making it the right temperature. People think that heating and cooling is just making it the right temperature. Well, that's only half of it. You've got to get the right relative humidity or else, you know, it could be, you know, very cool. And if it's uh, humid, you'll feel cold. If it's warm and it's humid, you'll feel hot. So the acceptable. Anyway, the bottom line here is I think you don't have enough air circulation in the basement, uh, which means you have too much relative humidity, which means it just took six to eight years to build up on that oh, point. Oh, okay. But it, it was there in year one. Um, and, and here's how, here's how it is. Um, uh, I have uh, good friends. 
went into the house. They built a wonderful home. And from a building science standpoint, they they did it all right. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, But they turned off the air conditioner or turned it up so high in the basement and the second floor because kids had grown and moved out. And behind the headboard, behind the furniture, um, mold had started to grow. Well, mm, okay. because they weren't moving the air and running it past that heating and cooling system, drying out the air. So it's not about temperature. It's about once you build an incredibly insulated home, you have, you're in charge of making that air everything. So you've got to run your systems. The house is set up as a complete system. Especially, the more energy efficient your home is, the more you really have to run your heating and cooling system generally. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I see. Okay. I wrote all this down. Yeah. We'll try this and see. Um, and g- give us a call at Mosby if you need some explanation. We have a lot of people in the office that can explain that this. Can explain it. But, yeah. But again, okay. that's that's you know when we finish a basement, it almost always has a heating and cooling system, and this is why. Yeah, and like, see, ours doesn't, Scott. Right. It's just getting the you know it's got a couple vents and it's pulling it off of the of the air heating and air conditioning system for the rest of the house and it is a two-story house too. right so, yeah um yeah so but, it probably should have been added when the basement was finished then well that's easy to say but you know i mean another five to ten thousand dollars for ductwork heating right. and cooling and all it's like what are you crazy you know yeah, so i know but you, I know. The, so uh, you know and consumers don't really know that so unless that right. conversation occurs that you know you're just making the decision you make yeah yeah Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for the long explanation. I appreciate you taking our call. Yeah, uh, and, Carol, uh, what you if can we do... we do need more explanation, I'll have my husband call. Well, you can run some fans down there and run a dehumidifier yeah. continuously because an air conditioner, you know, what that heating and cooling system is, is a big dehumidifier. You may need one on this end and one on that end, but you've got to dry that air downstairs yeah. and you've got to move it around as well. Well, I was just concerned that there was water coming in there from, you know, behind the the wallboard or, you know, that, but it doesn't feel wet. You know, the carpet right. isn't wet, so I yeah. don't think it's that. Carol, when you go down into that lower level, do you feel it? Can you feel that moisture, the humidity? Is there a feeling that happens about two-thirds of the way down the steps or a smell or, a you know, a scent? My husband has noticed that he thinks it smells wet there, down there, that, you know. Yeah, his body system, his alert system is telling you the same thing. It yeah. just, you know, now you visually confirmed it with, you know, the growth on the bottom of the furniture. Yeah, wind, winter's fine. We have no problem. And we don't seem to have a problem with the furniture that's on the tile. It's just yeah. the furniture that's on the carpet. Well, the carpet holds the moisture because there's exactly. a lot of airspace that can go between those fibers. Fibrous insulation is nothing more than trapping air. But if the air happens to be wet, you know, it's going to grow yeah. mold. So Yeah, okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate all of your help. Okay, Carol. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. See, I love this stuff. Um, I'm surrounded by a bunch of people that love this stuff too. Um, But it takes a pretty savvy consumer to track with all of this. Um, If you don't understand it or don't appreciate it or don't want it, it, it's a bunch of hooey. But if you understand it and you want it right and you're going to stay in that home, you know, uh, if you're committed to that structure, that home, and you want it to be right, 
then you've got to follow all these rules. And if you stop 80% along the way and you don't finish the job, you'll have little issues like this. And I, I, I spoke earlier of the complaints in the industry. This is not uh, – I mean we have bad apples in every industry. This is not generally bad apples. This is just people not knowing the extent of technology and how when you you know build an insulated structure like that – you really have have to do the whole thing. You can't stop, you know, short of that. Uh, home Improvement, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. If you know a do-it-yourselfer or you know a new homeowner, tell them about this show. This is one of the places I can really help people because, you know, if they're do-it-yourselfers, they need to understand these issues. I, I, I'm, I, I'm in favor of do-it-yourselfer. Do I just do it right. And then you get the lasting value, then the dollars you spend, the sweat equity you spend, the passion you spend uh, comes back for years. Uh, if you miss it for whatever reason because you don't know or you hire somebody that doesn't know, you spent the money, just didn't get it. Home Improvement, KMOX at your service. Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on Kingdom OX. All right, isn't it ironic here on the Helitech Home Improvement Show that on a day when we have relative humidity pretty low, which is 33%, which means it's as, you know, as third as you can as much water vapor as you can hang in the air. This is a relatively dry day, certainly for the Midwest in the middle of the summer. That we're talking about humidity, condensation, and, you know, mildew, moss and such. To that end, let's get with Michael and see what's cooking. Michael, good afternoon. Welcome to Kim Wex. Been good. I took a year and a half off or so. Yeah. Michael, sure. you're on. How can I help you, sir? Hi. Um, well, I got a got a question for you. Um, I am I am uh, needing to waterproof our basement. We purchased the house about a year ago, and we knew that there was uh, mold behind the walls. There no vapor barrier, so we pulled all the walls down and talked about five different waterproofing uh, companies. And we're in the process of getting ready to drain tile, sump pump, and put up a vapor barrier. And the only concern I have is it appears the previous owners. Um, have some la some layer of paint on the concrete. Okay. And uh, and my concern is uh, with the waterproofing companies we've talked to, no one's really been able to give me any advice on whether we need to strip that paint to avoid mold growing on the paint after we put the vapor barrier up. Uh, describe um, the vapor barrier to me. Well, I'm looking at two options. One is um, I guess the tarp system. I don't know what it's called, Brightwall or whatever. Um, they're they're calling it so we've got some cracks in the foundation that are not structural but are letting some moisture in okay um, we don't have any running water when it rains um but the water is not coming up high through the crack either it all comes through the base of the wall okay um but uh so we're kind of in this weird stage of not you know not sure what we need but we just need to waterproof it anyway just to be able to finish it um but we're essentially trying to set it up to where we can refinish the basement with drywall or whatever walling system um, without uh, having mold grow on the inside of the drywall. And you will have water coming through some of these cracks on the wall itself. That will. Um, that's that's the advice we've been given is to not patch the cracks. Just have the drain tile system so that if if anything does come through the wall, it goes down into the system and 
goes through that way, but to put a vapor barrier up of one of a couple different vapor barrier wall, you know, systems. Okay, here, uh, vapor barrier, uh, there's, uh, um, you're really getting my attention here. Vapor barrier as it relates to a finished basement wall system uh, never would include a sheet of plastic. The idea okay. is the moisture will gather behind that finished wall and it mm-hmm. needs to migrate or have the ability to come through the drywall, through the latex paint and dry itself into that basement. The okay. membrane that you're referring to is part of the dewatering system and it is a collection method. So the idea is put up some sort of a plastic sheet so anything that moves through those cracks or, or migrates through the, the concrete um, gets collected, drops down into the water, you know, the drain tile or, or you know, whatever that system is and, and gets pumped away and removed. Um, if there's very little expectation of water behind that dewatering membrane, then you're okay. The, the issue is you, by definition, are having moisture behind that finished wall. That's a problem, no matter how you do this. Um, the paint is a very small issue there. It doesn't really matter. And, and I wouldn't mess with the paint because there's a possibility that it is a dry lock or a moisture controlling paint anyway. Uh, so I wouldn't, I would leave the paint on the wall, uh, go ahead and have the system put in, but I would not finish your basement for another year. I, I would wait and see how this system works, what's coming through, uh, smells and such. Um, because when you finish walls on there, uh, you are, the, the fire code will require that air doesn't move behind that wall system. Because if air moves, then fire moves. So the fire code says don't let any air circulate. Humidity needs for air to circulate. So, you know, this is, you're in my world, you know, we have conflicting goals from the whole, you know, regulation and and building code stuff. And Mm -hmm. so again, but uh, when you build the wall, ideally you build your basement walls with no vapor barrier at all. Um, of any kind and do not use oil-based paint use latex paint because it's porous and it will allow the vapor to migrate through the paint itself gotcha so right now with the walls unfinished there's definitely moisture it's kind of as the previous caller mentioned that you can smell it when you walk in the basement so we have dehumidifiers Uh, we'll be installing um air intakes to just to get better air to pass through there but in the, with the previous walls, there was mold growing on the wall and on the uh, on the concrete wall and on the uh, previous drywall. So we're trying to find ways to prevent more mold growth um, down there if we were to finish the basement. Boy, Michael, I think you're in for bigger more than just uh, waterproofing the outside of the house. Um, you've got more than just a dewatering issue there. Uh, and, and please do not finish your basement for a year after you uh, put in this uh, dewatering system. Uh, okay. Make sure you're getting what you think you're getting. Inspect what you expect. Uh, gotcha. Give yourself time. And, and if it's a drought year, wait again. Wait until we get flood season because St. Louis has a way of being fickled on too much water, too little water. You go for two years. Gotcha. So, okay. All right. That's great advice. Thank you very much. Okay, Michael. Good question. Thanks for the call. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Bye now. 
Home Improvement Camel X, man, we've had some good questions and and some deep concepts here. Golly, um, I I hope you're tracking with me and following this stuff. Um, This is what a coffee break looks like in my day. Uh, People say, well, what do you do do with your day? Um, Well, frankly, I run around and debate with most of our associates uh, what needs to be done on various projects. Um, And and I love this stuff. Uh, Frankly, uh, I'll step into conversations conversations or even arguments around the office of we need to do this we need to do that this is the way you know how, you know and, and the issue really gets to well you know how committed to this house are do they really want to do the right thing or they just need to buy three or five years to get past you know so they move or you know sell the house or whatever um, and, and that's a tough part for us because we're the guys that do it right. You know, that's our reputation. So we can't necessarily do a quick fix thing. Uh, anyway, let's see what's cooking here with Jim. Jim, good afternoon. Welcome to CamWex. How can I help? Okay. I've got a kind of a two-pronged question about ventilation in attic space. Okay. Uh, we've got a whole house fan or attic fan. It's been covered with plastic, so I can't use it right now. Okay. I want to be able to use it because we like the fresh air in the house, et cetera. Um, the softening is solid um, sheet metal or tin. Okay. It's not perforated at all. Okay. And so then the, the second facet of the question is our, our roof vent is bridge vent style of venting. So again, the softening is not perforated. Does the Softening not need to be perforated with the ridge vent, and also does the attic fan require the perforated softening to draw air in and push it out of the ridge vent? Okay, okay. Uh, um, um, hang on here, uh, Jim, and I may need to talk to you off the air because I've got about a minute here. Right now, if you take that plastic off that attic fan and turn it on, you will blow the ridge vent off the top of that house and possibly blow your soffit out because you need about 1% to 2% of uh, cubic feet of the floor. feet. So you have 1,000 square feet in the attic. You need about 20 square feet of holes in the attic. If you have an attic fan, you need 5 to 10 times more holes in the attic because you're moving 5 to 10 times more air than normal attic ventilation requires. So if you were to turn on that vent fan, you literally would blow your house apart up in the attic just by overpressurization with that artificial mechanical fan. Okay. Uh, you, you following me so far? Yes, sir. All right. Well, well, hang on. I've got about 10 more seconds. The, the, um, your attic ventilation is a completely different issue than that attic fan. So hang on. Let me put you on hold and we'll talk off the air, okay? Okay. All right, Jim. Thanks.